Broadcasting live from WOYK's downtown York Studios, this is York's Local Sports Show. Talking local sports on York's local sports station. Welcome to Game Day with Game Time PA on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Hello and welcome to another edition of Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 1350 W-O-Y-K, got a great program for you today. We're talking football, we're talking league playoffs, so we got a lot of action to get to. Of course, with me, Zach Miller, as always, and from the Hanover office, we have Ryan Proventure joining us again for the second consecutive week. Guys, thanks so much for being here. Uh, thanks for having me, I guess, yeah, Christian. Glad, glad I mean, to be here. I mean, I'm always here, but <laughs> uh, you know, this is this is a busy time now for the fall sports season. We got some playoffs to talk about. We have football to talk about, as always. Mm-hmm. It's an exciting time in the York Adams. Absolutely, absolutely. Ryan's already gotten to the swing of things. He saw yeah. the, uh, I'm excited. the cross-country I'm, tournament the other day. I've been covering more stuff, so it's, it's been nice. You know, I've gotten some soccer and cross-country under my belt now. So and plenty just, more to uh, come, yeah. With broadening my horizons here and <laughs> getting more knowledge. Exactly. Just a reminder to all the folks listening, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes if you can't catch us on the radio. Or if you don't check us out on GameTimePA.com, you can check us out on iTunes, on Stitcher Radio app, and on Google Play. Just search Game Day uh, Game Day with GameTimePA Radio. And remember to rate and review the show. We always love hearing back from listeners and uh, hearing what we're doing well and what we can always improve on. So remember to subscribe to the show and take us anywhere, anytime that you want to get your high school sports fix. We can be there. As always, to start the show, we go through our players of the week. And this week, we'll start with our football player of the week. Noriega Goff from Central York gets the honors this week. He scored three touchdowns and ran for a team-high 126 yards on 28 carries as the Panthers pulled away in the second half in a Friday night Division One game at Spring Grove. Central York is a game behind undefeated red line in Division One, and we will be talking about that in just a little bit, about the division race and the crunch time a lot of these teams will be in. Uh, and the final three weeks of the season. For the girls, this week's winner is uh, Dagny Markle, New Oxford Tennis. She captured the school's first YAIA singles championship last Saturday at Weishaven Tennis Center uh, in straight sets. She then teamed with uh, Camden Balco to win the league Class 3A doubles title. She was eliminated last Friday in the quarterfinals of the District 3 tournament, but certainly a magnificent run for Dagny Markle, and New Oxford Tennessee has certainly had a tremendous season for New Oxford, so plenty to be proud of uh, if you are a New Oxford tennis fan or New Oxford fan in general. And then the boys' winner this week, Ben Warner from Red Lion Soccer. He stunned Dallastown, scoring the game winner in the second overtime last Tuesday and then scored the lone goal in Friday's, well, last Friday's one nothing win against Northeastern. The Lions are 12-5 and overall and finished third in the York Adams Division One with an 8-4 and four mark. So congratulations to all our players of the week, as always. And this is when we turn the microphone over to Zach and Ryan and myself, and we will pick our game balls of the week. Zach? All right, I'm going football for my game ball this week. I got one for Zion Devance of Dallastown. Similar game to Noriega Golf that you mentioned earlier. Devance had three touchdowns against Southwestern. He had 100, over 150 yards. Really good game for the Wildcats to get back on track beat Southwestern 35-7, and really looked dominant for the first time probably since the Week 2 win against West York. And Dallastown had been you know, winning games other than the Northeastern game, but not really doing it in a dominant fashion. That changed on Friday, and now the Wildcats look like maybe, maybe they're in the mix to win Division One again. Brian? 
Yeah, um, I got a couple here. One's pretty standard, one not so much. Um, football, Josiah Smallwood, four rushing touchdowns on Friday night against Fairfield. Mm-hmm. Um, racked up over 100 rushing yards and also passed for over 100 yards. Um, great game for him to lead his team to the win. Bit of an unorthodox one here um, from Saturday, the quarterfinals for the boys' soccer okay. tournament. Um, Brock Gould from Red Line. I know they lost, but, I mean, he he played a lot. He had a lot of shots. I mean, Gettysburg really had control of the ball that entire game. He had seven saves on eight shots on goal. And he, the biggest thing was um, he had this huge save in double overtime with like less than a minute in overtime or double overtime on a penalty kick that sent it to penalty kicks that would decide the game. They ended up losing. He didn't save as many penalty kicks in that final round, but I think overall he had an amazing game. To, uh, very good choice there. For me, I'm giving my game ball to Jack Allred, 215 yards for the Susquehannock Warriors, and a big win over Eastern York last Friday. He was a big catalyst for the Warriors' ground game. Really impressive when you get to see a kid like Jack Allred play uh, in person. Really uh, a tough human being to stop when he has the ball and he, he finds the holes and he makes holes himself. So he is a kid that uh, has been a tremendous asset for Susquehannock, especially last week against Eastern. And speaking of Eastern, uh, going to give a game ball as well to Maddie McLean. She had uh, another impressive performance the other day, capturing the York Adams girls cross country title and Patrick Jacobson from Dallas town. He captured the boys uh, York Adams cross country title. So those two obviously deserving of game balls and congratulations to all the players we mentioned this week for players of the week and game balls. Uh, a tremendous, tremendous effort the last week and, and good luck to all these teams going forward. Before we get into all the playoff action, before we get into the, all the football action we're planning on talking about, there's another story I want to talk about off the top of the show, and that's an, a, a very important and an interesting article that our own Zach Miller wrote. Uh, it was published on GameTimePA.com earlier on Wednesday, and it was about the lack of female athletic directors in the York Adams. And really, when you, when you read the story, the lack of female athletic, athletic directors in District 3 as a whole, which is a surprising amount of number. I think there's only, if I remember Zach's story, there's only three in District 3. Well, there's, there's one in the York Adams League. Right. That's Crystal Heller out in Fairfield. And Ryan right. also did a video about Crystal from last week's football game. Very good video. So she's the only one in the York Adams League. Right. But there's three in the LL League. They're all in Lancaster County, none in Lebanon County. Then of the district, three teams in the mid-pen, there's only three. So you take those three conferences, you know, the amount of schools in those conferences add up to like 70, maybe more. Mm -hmm. And there's only seven women leading those programs. So definitely a disparity to look at. And I kind of came at it from the angle of, hey, we're in an age now where there's probably as many girls playing high school sports as Mm -hmm. boys, maybe even more in some cases because – you know, girls have – they don't have football, but you got field hockey, volleyball, soccer, like a lot of a very popular sports for girls to play. Now, why is it, though, that at the highest level of athletic leadership at these schools, we're not seeing more women? And we I kind of delved in. It's a little bit of a long read, but, you know, I hope it's worth it. And looking at a bunch of reasons, you know, we we looked at kind of the gender ideologies of what a lot of people – think you know a woman's role should be in the home a woman's role should be in sports and one that i found interesting was that football in a lot of cases is is a factor that maybe is is deterring women from going out to want to be athletic directors right. or maybe deterring people from wanting to hire a woman athletic director you know 
they don't have ex- women typically don't have experience with football and football is kind of the sport that drives the boat in a lot right. of cases i mean we talk about it more on this show than anything else it probably generates more money than most sports at most schools so you know it's, it's a variety of different reasons and it's there's no you know there's no specific case or something specific to do to fix it but i definitely found women for the most part are not going out for athletic director jobs and and kind of just took a gander at finding out why that is it's it's a very interesting read and like zach said it's a long read but it's certainly worth the time that it takes to look into it because there are so many interesting issues um that kind of come about from it and the other interesting thing is uh, and I believe, I forget who it was in the story, someone no- mentioned that more and more of the senior days, you're hearing a lot of these, these girls who are athletes who are or, or graduating, they're going on and they're, they're majors in college or sports management or something to do with sports. So you're seeing more and more interest from, from girls at the high school level that want to go on and, and see if they can you know, have a job in sports. And it's really become something that where sports, you, know, you think about sports, the demographic it appeals to, you know, we're talking 20, 30 years ago, sports was primarily thought, you know, 30, 40 years ago, sports was primarily thought, oh, guys like this, this sports, girls are not necessarily um, the demographic that sports appeals to. And that's very rapidly changing. Um, and, and you see that as you see more and more girls enter athletics, you see more and more girls going to majors that would put them in some uh, shape or form involved with sports. Yeah, Crystal talked about that, and so did a couple athletic directors I talked to out in Lancaster County, you know, saying that they've had girls over the years come and approach them about wanting to intern mm-hmm. or wanting to find out, you know, how do I, how do I get into try to going in to sports management to be an athletic director? We actually have a soccer player at Spring Grove, Abby Erlemeyer, one of the better soccer players in this county, who her goal is to be an athletic director, a high school athletic director. Mm-hmm. It's something she wants to do. You know, and so she's probably one of these girls that would want, you know, to look into sports management. I, you know, she already has. She's going to Richmond to play soccer. But, but anyway, you know, aside from what they said, it's not just about sports. It's also about showing young women that they can be in leadership roles, not right. just in sports, but in business, in government. And so, you know, that was something that a lot of the women I talked to really tried to hammer home is that it's not just specific to sports, not just specific to athletic directors. You know, it's important for young women to have role models to look at in leadership roles because guys have it everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. government, business, sports. You see guys as role models everywhere. It's important for more girls to have that. So, you know, it's an important issue. There's not really a specific way to fix it, but certainly it's something to be aware of and look into, you know, why is this? We, we're putting an emphasis on these types of stories here at the York Daily Record. This is the first of several that Christian and I are working on of, you know, of kind of pointing out something that doesn't quite add up and just looking into why it is. You know, we're not going to solve the problem, but, you know, we're hoping to raise some awareness and get people thinking a little bit. Yeah. One, one thing I noticed from the story was interesting to me was um, that it's actually harder to break into that field at the high school level. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. Um, because, you know, as Zach was saying in his article – you know, in college, at the college level, maybe you can start as an assistant um, or some, in the program somehow and work your way up maybe or, you know, get some experience. At high school, you're running the whole show basically. Yeah. Um, and I found that really interesting. So the fact that Crystal Heller over in um, Fairfield, whom I spoke with, um, she can get it, she gets it done as well as anyone else. Yeah, I mean, she's everywhere. I think she goes to basically every game. That's a small school district. You know, she doesn't have game managers or anything. She's out right. there 
working all day long. And, and you know, it's not just about the fact that there's less opportunities, so to speak, because you don't have those assistant roles. It's also that, it, you know, just culturally, you know, colleges when making hires are are more likely, from what I was told, to look at qualifications, where mm. at the high school level, you know, you're maybe not looking at qualifications nearly as much as relationships in the community if you're in right. a small right. town. And, you know, a lot of athletic directors are a former football coach, you know, or a former basketball coach. And that's not a right. bad thing, right. but it's More just More politics that, are involved a little. Right, yeah. exactly. And it's not, it's not a bad thing. I mean, we have plenty of former football coaches that are fantastic athletic directors. Yeah. You know, it's not, this is not a knock on them by any means. It's just that those recognizable faces in the communities are oftentimes male faces. Absolutely. The story is called High School Athletic Director Remains a Man's Job. You can find it on GameTimePA.com. Also accompanied by it is the uh, phenomenal video that was produced by our Ryan ProVenture as well. That's at the top of the story. So you can take a, uh, a read and, and watch the video to accompany it. Certainly worth the time. An interesting subject addressed by our Zach Miller and Ryan ProVenture. So obviously take the time to read it. When we come back, we'll go into football week eight. It's crunch time. A lot of teams starting to feel the heat. We'll talk about that. Power rankings and much, much more. You're listening to Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Welcome back to Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Christian Arnold, Zach Miller, Ryan ProVenture here with you for the next hour, breaking down all the high school sports information you need to know and week eight of the york adams football season is upon us and it's crunch time but before we get to that obviously the gametimepa.com power rankings are always the hot topic every week when they come out and this week some surprises a lot of not surprises red line obviously back at number one and i think that's the clear clear cut choice no doubt about it dallas town back in the top five just squeaking in at number five and then you have a trio of six and one teams at four, three, and two. So plenty to mull over as we get set for the week eight season. Zach, um, you know, Dallastown being back in the top five, that's a that's a big step for them. Yeah, I mean you can probably debate whether they should have been out in the first place. The the Wildcats are six and one, you know, so is Littletown, York Catholic, Bermudian, uh Red Lions seven and no, you know, so right now we have the top five is the five teams with the best records. Dallas Town, though, you know, the reason they dropped out was that loss to Northeastern. But not just that, it was looking not great in the wins prior to that, you know, barely right. getting by William Penn, kind of having trouble with Penn Manor. Dallas Town really looked dominant for the first time, as I said in the first segment, when they beat Southwestern last week. I was at that game. Southwestern really never looked like it stood a chance. And Southwestern is the team I had at number five last week. So, yeah, Dallas Town's back in, and Dallas Town. You know, suddenly it kind of feels like a legitimate Division One contender again, you know. And if they keep playing the way they did last week, they'll certainly continue to rise up that top five. A couple of big games coming up. After New Oxford this week, Dallas Town plays Central and Red Lion in back-to-back weeks. So you know, plenty of time for the Wildcats to continue making moves. Absolutely. And then, of course, there's that 6-1 and one trio of teams at 4-3-2. and two. So, obviously, they're all good teams. They're all good teams in, in some similar divisions. Um, that had to be a, a very tough breakup because, because all three of the teams, you could really mix and match and move the three of them around, and you could still 
make an argument that this that Berm should have been two or or um, Littlestown could have been two or your Catholic could have been three. You know, I mean, there's there's so many good teams in that cluster. It's tough to really say which team uh, which team belongs where. Yeah, and we're gonna get a good matchup on Friday. I'll be out there. Bermudian Springs, which I have number three at your Catholic, the team I have number two. So we'll get a lot of clarity. That's a big Division three game. Mm-hmm. It's the two teams that are tied for first. Littlestown, who I have at number four, is still in the mix right. in Division three. You know, with only one loss to your Catholic. Littlestown gets Bermudian next week. So just like I was saying about Dallastown, a lot of room to move up. These teams all play each other. These three teams. You know, your Catholic and Littlestown have already played, but other than that, these teams are going to play each other the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to find out some things because right now, your Catholic's only loss is out of conference to Burke's Catholic team. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a powerhouse in yeah. Burke's County. Bermudian's only loss is to a Shippensburg team that's undefeated. So, you know, these teams haven't lost against any York Adams competition right. yet. I'm excited to see what comes out of that game because we've seen. A lot of good offense lately from Bermudian Springs, and Bermudian Springs is a team that's kind of always been known for defense. And York Catholic obviously has that duo of Jakar Kennard and Dan Yokemic. Uh, sorry, uh, we've said that wrong for <laughs> who knows how long. Uh, you know, it's going to be a good one. It's it's going to be a really good one. Last year's game came down to the final minute with Bermudian Springs backup quarterback Tristan Hake throwing a pass um, to beat the Fighting Irish. So you know, maybe it'll be that good a game again. We'll see, but I know Ryan's seen Bermudian Springs a couple times, right? And you've seen yeah. Linnestown too, haven't you? I have. Uh, I haven't seen Linnestown in a while, but um, they were still. I think it was the first week of divisional act- of divisional play at that point, so mm-hmm. everyone was still kind of figuring some things out. Bermudian, um, they're interesting, and I'm not saying they don't belong in the power rankings. Uh, and it's tough when you have those three six and one teams. You got to you got to put them somewhere. Three is I don't know. I feel like I may put them a little lower. Uh, I mean, well, higher, I suppose. Right, right. Um, and I think that's because we still yet to see them be challenged. Um, y- you know what I mean? Obviously, they're putting. I think they have the second best offense uh, total yardage wise in in the league. But like I said, I don't think that they've really been challenged. Yet. And they have those challenging games coming up against York Catholic, um, against Littlestown. So, like I said, I think it's it's really interesting with them. There's a good point there. I mean, you look at your Catholic, they've had to play um, Berks Catholic. That's a very tough game. That's a real challenging. Um, Bermudian Springs, they've played Shippensburg, another, another tough opponent. And I'm, that's not to discredit what right. Littlestown is doing, but well, to yeah. Ryan's point. I think, yeah. I think it's more of like, what have they done lately? You know, right. I and, think your point is, you know, what's their best win? They played Shippensburg. Mm-hmm. They played Shippensburg close. They didn't win that game, though. You know, what? what is Berms' best win? When you think about the schedule... You know, they beat New Oxford week one. That team has no wins. They beat Boiling Springs week two. That team has no wins. Right. Uh, their best win maybe is the DeLone win yeah. last week. DeLone's a good little team, but um, I don't think they're quite on par with s- some of the other teams right. that have been beaten and also, by. also, you know, Bermudian beat York Tech, beat Fairfield. Again, these aren't great teams. But, you know, these are all teams that are four and three, I think, the three teams we just named. Yeah. So they've just been taking care of business to this mm-hmm. point. And these next two weeks are really going to show, you know, are they – are they an okay team that is able to beat the bad teams right. but not able to beat the good teams? Or are they a really good team that just wasn't able to beat Shippensburg? Yeah, they definitely they have a lot of confidence, though, which is, you know, to a certain degree, that's all you really need. If you have the pieces there and they have the offensive weapons, their defense has been doing just well enough, you know, to keep team, to like totally take care of business. Um, I think that confidence is a big reason why they're in the power rankings and as at number three. That's yeah, and that program hasn't lost to York Catholic in at least five years. I know the last five years, 
Berms 5-0 and against the Fighting Irish. So, you know, plenty of reason to be confident. They have John Defoe, the longest-tenured mm-hmm. coach in the league. They know what they're doing up there. Not to say that, you know, your Catholic isn't. Eric DePew's right. a very good coach, too. But, you know, they they have reason to be confident. They've been playing well and continuing to build that confidence. And it's going to be a big game on Friday, definitely the game of the week. There are plenty of big games coming up. By the way, uh, the teams that just missed the cut, Central York and Northeastern. Um, so that'll be interesting as well. They have some tough games coming up. But a lot, a lot of big games coming up for the Dallas Towns, the Red Lions, the Central Yorks, and... Uh, Bermudian Springs, York Catholic, and Littlestown as well. Certainly big games all in the final three weeks of the regular season for all three of these teams with, uh, with a lot of these games having district playoff implications for the three Division I teams. And for Littlestown and Berm, there's a bit of a district playoff implications as well when they play in Week 9 of the season. So a lot of these teams have big games coming up that mean a lot. Central York playing Redline this week. Big game for them, and really for the three of those teams, there are three weeks, and there are three losses to be handed out over those next three weeks, and for one of these teams, if they pick up a loss, or even two, there's big implications for the division race, which is very tight, and for a lot of these teams, more importantly, the district playoff race, which which we all knew was going to be tight to begin with because of the new um, classifications, but now... With the team so close together and these final three weeks where they're essentially going to beat up on each other, they are now at, at the point where one or two of them could knock the other out of a playoff spot. Yeah, so let's kind of break it down a little bit. We have Red Lions, Central York, and Dallastown. All three teams in Division One. All three teams are also 6A in the new classification system. So right now what we have in the division picture, right. we have Red Lion undefeated first. Central York and Dallastown both have one loss in the division, tied for second. You know, you, you can figure out kind of the combinations of there's going to be three wins to go around, there's going to be three losses to go around because each of these teams plays the other two in the next three weeks. So, you know, Red Lion in the driver's seat right now, but those other two teams could certainly grab a share of the division title mm-hmm. or, you know, if things really broke right, could grab a full, you know, complete standalone of the division title. But what Christian's saying, too, is we have the district title picture to worry about, too. And if you look at the district rankings right now in 6A, Red Lions ranked third, Dallas Towns ranked fifth, Central York is ranked sixth. The top eight make the playoffs. But the thing is, you know, every loss hurts a lot in this division picture, or sorry, this district picture. So And there's going to be three losses between these teams. We don't know where they're going to go, but you know one of these teams might lose twice. It's perfectly right. possible. Mm. And that's essentially a death warrant for them. Yeah, if that's yeah. Central York or Dallastown, it's going to be tough to make the playoffs with three or four losses. You know, If it's Red Lion, maybe you still get in, but you're, you know, now you're certainly not hosting a first-round right. game as a three-seed. You're probably going on the road as a seven- or eight-seed. But it'll be interesting to see how it breaks. We, we don't have any experience with this before. <laughs> it's a new classification system but certainly you know you you can't really afford a loss at this point in the season you definitely can't afford two and the schedule is set up such that these teams have to play each other and somebody has to lose these games just like someone has to win them and red line too you you miss out on hosting a playoff game that that's a big blow too hosting a playoff game at any level of sports is a huge huge thing for athletes and that home field advantage you know uh horn field can get loud um, when it's packed, and they certainly bring the energy. The student section brings the energy. For them to not, for, for them to even drop a game, that could even push them out of hosting a, a district playoff game, which could be 
Uh, not saying it would be a deciding factor, but it could play a role in the outcome of a potential district playoff game. Yeah, and it's not just losing that home field advantage. It's also you're going to have to play a tougher opponent right, that's true. in the first round. You know, we got some powerhouses in 6A in Cumberland Valley, Central Dolphin. Wilson Westlawn is having a better season. You know, if you host a playoff game, you probably don't have to worry about playing one of those teams in the first round. You know, if you take care of business, then you got to worry about it. But if you're going on the road in the first round, you're probably going to CV or CD or Wilson, and that's going to be a really tough challenge. And when you look at the other three teams I mentioned before, Berm, your Catholic and Littlestown in a similar situation in Division Three, those are teams that a game this week will have a divisional implication, and the next week's game when Berm and Littlestown play one another, that has more of a district implication as far as the playoffs go for them. So a similar situation as Dallastown, Red Lion, and Central York, but things are, I don't want to say a little less intense, but they certainly aren't as um, bleak. Not bleak, but they're not as, as crucial I guess you could say. Well, I'd say one thing um, to that is the fact that, you know, for 3A, there's only four spots. Right. And, yeah, right now, Berm to Littlestown 3, they're pretty comfortable. But in the same respect, you know, with those 6A teams, any loss can be crucial in this respect. So the fact that there's only four teams getting in there, um, you know, I mean, it's just, there's more. I feel like there's a little bit more pressure. But at the same time, you know, the level – of play against other teams might not quite be there. Um, you know, they obviously they're going to play each right. other, but um, like you said, not as dire. Maybe there you go. That was the word I was looking <laughs> for. Um, and two, they're not playing. The three of them are not playing each other in yeah. in sequential order for the final three weeks. Yeah, so that's, that's insane. That, that, yeah, that is certainly. I guess when the when the York Adams schedule makers were, were coming up with the schedule, they did not anticipate the way that the final three weeks of the season would break down, but certainly important games. And I don't want to diminish that fact for Berm, York Catholic, no. and Littlestown. So obviously this week, York Catholic playing a, playing an important game um, against... Bermudian this week, and then we got Bermudian and Littlestown next week. So the way this one kind of breaks down is, like Ryan said, we have Bermudian is number two mm-hmm. in 3A, and Littlestown's number three, yep. and the top four make it. Uh, your Catholic, meanwhile, is number one in two A. But you know that's that's kind of fragile. If if the Fighting Irish lose there's only two spots, there. yeah. right? There's only two spots. So if the Fighting Irish lose to Bermudian Springs, and then you know things don't go right in the last two weeks of the season, all of a sudden the Fighting Irish are looking at being out. And the Fighting Irish really, because they've already played Littlestown, already beaten Littlestown, mm-hmm. they're in a prime position that if they beat Bermudian Springs, they're in really really good shape to win Division Three and also have the number one seed in Class 2A and go back to the district title game again in good position. Now, for Bermudian and Littlestown, when you look at it, in all likelihood, because they still have to play each other, because Bermudian still has to play your Catholic, yep. because there's only four spots to go around, probably only one of those two teams is making it. And there's a good chance it's going to come down to next week's game mm. and we see who wins that game. That's sort of going to be an elimination game. You know, you never know. Maybe, maybe the loser still manages to kind of backdoor its way in as like the number four seed but it's certainly possible that only one of those teams is making it so that's going to be a huge game so do they benefit at all from having that that 10th week where all three teams face a different a different opponent where it gives them the opportunity to kind of claw their way back in or as zach put it back the back uh back their way into a playoff spot yeah i mean they would have to get some help from other teams right. i think you know if, if not Berm- an ideal situation right i mean if bermudian loses to your catholic this week and loses to littlestown next week mm-hmm. You know, now you really need some help and you need some of those 
teams like Wyoming, kind of those fringe. Um, I think Kutztown might be one of them that's kind of on the fringe of making the playoffs. You need to get some help from those teams' opponents that they lose a game, and you know maybe you take care of business in the in week ten and manage to slide back into the fourth spot. But it's a lot easier to just win this week yeah. and take care of business then. <laughs> I think most coaches would agree that that that's the. Yeah, coaches situation. don't like to <laughs> need help from anybody. They yeah, like to yeah. kick their business Nobody themselves. wants to want all the control in your own hands. Absolutely. So. Speaking of control in their own hands, it's playoff time for the field hockey and soccer teams in the York Adams. When we come back, we'll take a look at the league championship matches coming up for field hockey, for soccer, and much, much more. You're listening to Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Welcome back to Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Christian Arnold, Zach Miller, Ryan Proventure here with you as we break down all of that's going on in the York Adams sports scene. And before we get back into the program, just another quick reminder, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Just search Game Day with Game Time PA Radio and remember to rate and review the show. We can also be found on the Stitcher Radio app and Google Play. So make sure you check us out there or check us out every week here on sports radio 1350 w-o-y-k it's playoff time boys league championships for soccer are on thursday night some very interesting matchups fairfield making it to the title game uh they knocked off dallas town which was a huge win for them in a yeah, close game or five one it was a close game for a little bit and then it wasn't anymore <laughs> yeah i mean for i don't know if honestly i was saying this yesterday i don't know if fairfield's ever beaten dallas town at anything like for them to come out and win after Fairfield lost 10 nothing in the playoffs to Dallas Town mm-hmm. last year to win 5-1 yesterday is pretty insane. It's been a heck of a year for the Green Knights. So on that note, Fairfield, obviously, the Logue sisters, Hannah, um, has been tremendous for them. Mariah as well for Fairfield. They knocked off the defending league champions, Dallas Town. Certainly a big, big year for, for, for Fairfield. Obviously, Hannah Logue and Mariah Logue, they were on our radar. We all knew they were going to be very good. But they certainly, along with a number of other players on that Fairfield roster, they have really become a powerhouse in the York Adams, it seems yeah, like. It's, it's more than just the Logue sisters. And I think, yeah. Ryan, you saw them last week, right? You can tell us a little bit about about yeah. that team. Um, uh, I mean, we got the Heimball sisters. We got Annabelle, I knew was, Annabelle Anderson. That Annabelle Anderson, who's a freshman. Um, Nora Clark, freshman as well. The fact that they're getting, they have so much depth, which is insane. Like I said, those two freshmen I just stated, the Heimball sisters. Um, you just have so many weapons out there. Who, and they're fast. You know, when you go to the games, you the first thing you notice is how fast they are compared right. uh, to these other teams. When it comes to other teams trying to score against them. If they even get a chance to get a ball on the goalie, it's just not going to happen. Ashley Roser, <laughs> first of all, that's not going to happen. But they don't even get a chance to get to the ball because the defenders are so quick to getting the ball, getting to the ball and just getting it out. In case you want to really understand how good Fairfield is, we were in the office last Saturday, Zach and I, and we were following along on your Twitter updates from the game on Saturday. Mm. And Ryan and, and Zach looked at me and he, and he said, 
I thought Ryan's tweets were just regurgitating from the last game he saw them at because they were just they beat Gettysburg from them. I feel like they score nine goals every yeah. game. It's like a set yeah. number. I it's got weird. into the office and I opened my computer and it said goal Fairfield, goal Fairfield <laughs> coming from Ryan. I was like, I gotta refresh. I, yeah. you know, why am I getting Thursday's tweets? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. nope, another day, another nine goals for Fairfield. It's, That's just how it is this year. And it was Gettysburg, correct, that they defeated in the first round? That's right. Okay. So Gettysburg they beat nine nothing in the first round of the league tournament then they beat Dallastown 5-1 which is Dallastown has been like the bane yes. of their existence the past few <laughs> years I think they knocked them out the past two seasons right um, Dallastown won the whole tournament last year right yeah so just the, that they have so they have to have so much confidence I'm sure they were extremely confident coming into it being, oh yeah for sure you know an amazing undefeated team but the fact that they were actually able to go and beat the team that knocked them out the past few years. Um, yeah, and Dallas Town certainly an added plus. Dallas Town yeah. might be the biggest school in the YAIAA, and Fairfield's the smallest. So this <laughs> is just really you know cool. Fairfield's doing all kind of crazy stuff. Christian, you're going to be out at the championship game yes. tomorrow. They're playing Central York. Right? Yes, and let's let's shift to Central York. They knock off York Catholic uh, one nothing in the semifinals. A big win for Central York. They've obviously had a, a good season as well. And York Catholic kind of, um, uh, you know, a good season in Division Three, But they, they and they played very well. You look at it even when they played Fairfield to close out the regular season. Um, it was a very close game that ended, you know, not surprisingly on a six-second goal from Hannah Loeb to win the game in regulation. So um, it, it, the Fairfield team came in, going back to Fairfield for a second, they came into the playoffs already feeling good, and they continue to roll through that. Central York, a good team as well. They should put up an, a good fight, and it'll be interesting to see if Fairfield can put the hurt on Central York, which I'm sure by now knows the speed that the Logue sisters have, knows the depth that the Fairfield Green Knights have on their bench, uh, and will be game planning accordingly after a lot of a lot of teams, a lot of good teams, uh, got knocked down by Fairfield, so they'll they'll be, I'm sure, game planning accordingly. And ironically, you have the Fair the Central York boys going up for a league championship as well, going against Gettysburg, who obviously won the league tournament last year. Very good team. Matt Yingling has been a huge factor for them. Um, not surprisingly, he had a great year last season. Continuing that this season, part of the Yingling brothers that were there at Gettysburg. Uh, Adam Yingling, if I'm not mistaken, the other other Yingling. Yeah, he was our Game Time PA athlete, boys soccer athlete of the year last year. So and he gradu- very talented yes, family. graduated last year. So Matt Yingling took over the mantle. And he's been a, a huge asset for them as well. But that's also a team that's very deep. It's got a lot of great defending back. And they've certainly played very, very well this season. And they're deserving to be back in the championship game looking to defend that league title against Central York. Obviously coming off... Um, you know, another great season this year. I believe they captured the Division One title, and they are looking to capture a league title now this time around. So a lot of good soccer action on the horizon in the York Adams. Yeah, it should be some good games on Thursday night. Yes. Follow Christian for updates from that one. Yes, you can follow for, me on Twitter. both of those. Yeah. The mm-hmm. first game of the girls' game will be at 5.30 at Red Lion High School. Second game at 7, if I'm not mistaken, at Red Lion for the boys. So two two uh two later starts for those games. Cross country title handed out the other day. We mentioned it at the top of the show. Maddie McLean winning the girls' crown, Patrick Jacobson winning the boys' crown from Dallas Town, and Ryan Proventure at Rye underscore pro on Twitter was at these contests. And I don't think any of us are necessarily surprised about Maddie McLean. 
Yeah, that's for sure. Also, I wanted to throw that's in there. That's not Ryan Proventure, by the way. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I just wanted to throw in there, too. It looked like they did a, a team title for the first it time. It was interesting. Yeah, I know. Last year, you know, they just scored everything, just individuals, didn't look at the team. I saw they did do team scores yesterday, and Dallas Town Girls won the team title after, you know, they had a fantastic season, and the York Suburban Boys, who are always a powerhouse, won the boys' title. So, yeah, I mean, sorry to interrupt there, but Ryan, what were your kind of biggest takeaways? Um, no, kind of like you were saying, I thought that that was definitely interesting. Uh, they didn't give medals to the teams, the winning teams or anything. I think they just were like, we have these scores, let's tally them up and we'll make an announcement, but let's give the medals to the individual kids. Um, I think it was Dallas Town. Yeah, Dallas Town girls won. I think the boys from Dallas Town came, came in second. second. Obviously, yeah. they had Peter, uh, Patrick Jacobson who won the whole thing. Um, it was kind of a hot day. It was. It was definitely, I mean, it's unseasonably hot out right. there which was like the lead to my story on it um and it's true because it's true i mean it, it's yesterday october 18th it's it's not supposed to be hitting you know mid 80s at this point and that really affects runners i mean i ran in high school and i remember when you step outside and it's a hot day you have a meet you are you like hate it. you hate your life it's <laughs> it's awful you know you're dehydrated you you're thinking about the whole race and you're like okay how now now how do i have to conserve my energy at certain parts of the course um, Gettysburg, which seemed like a fairly flat course, and that was my consensus based on the times. I saw some really fast times out of these runners. I mean, Manny McLean breaking 19 minutes. Um, I don't think a girl had done that all season. Jacobson at 17.01 almost got into the 16-minute um, mark. But So I kind of thought it's a flat course, and after I was talking to some of the runners and coaches, they were just like, yeah, it was way too hot out there today. <laughs> and in the you know um york suburban won it for the boys i talked to their coach after and he was actually kind of disappointed he was just you know, one of the big things he was saying was uh you know we're, this just isn't where we want to be at this point in the season regardless of the fact that they won i mean they didn't have any kids when they had two kids coming in sixth and seventh right? yeah i mean york suburban was this the boys yes that's right. yeah to give some context i mean this team was the state runner up last year and kids were crying about coming up short. Like that's yeah. the ex level of expectation. Two years ago, they won a state title. That's right. Okay. You know, it's, it's a whole different level of expectation when you're York suburban boys than, okay. than most teams. So when, yeah, when he's saying they're not where they want to be, where they want to be is best in the state. Right. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense. So some, definitely some, some interesting, uh, considering the, the weather, which is interesting. You brought it up because you, you think about, what these kids are used to running at this point in the yeah. year. Mm -hmm. It's much more, you know, last year I think I was just arriving at the York Daily Record um, to start here at game time and then York, in the York Daily Record, and it was it was cooler. It definitely didn't have this feel where, I mean, today you could walk out, or uh, Wednesday you could walk out on shorts. Tuesday you could you could wear short sleeves and, and shorts. It, was, it yeah. was summer weather. Yeah, and I mean, when I was talking to Patrick Jacobson, who after he won it, he said that he did have to actually approach his race differently because mm. um, I'm forgetting I'm blanking on the name of the kid from Bermuda and Springs. Right, Chad second Chad Lock. He sprinted out, and Jacobson's just like I, I can't keep up with him because I know he said I don't run well in the heat, right? And I know if I try to follow him right out of the gate, I'm gonna die, <laughs> and it's just in you know race is over. Yeah, that's an underrated part of cross country that people don't realize is the the strategy to it. Right. You know, it's yeah. not just go it's out not and running. run. Yeah. Right. It's, there, there's a lot of strategy. I mean, these teams go out, the kids and their coaches, and they kind of analyze the course and look at, you know, where where am I going to speed up? Where am I going to slow down to conserve energy? And that's something Maddie McLean won. You know, I've had 
I've had coaches note to me that she's a very smart runner. You know, mm. not only is she fast and, you know, obviously has great stamina, but, you know, she's smart. And, you know, she won this race by, I think, 11 seconds yesterday, running against a freshman from Dallas Town who is fast also, but probably isn't yeah. as familiar with the course, you know, not as experienced in making those kind of tactical decisions. Yeah, um, it was funny actually talking to Maddie after the race yesterday. It didn't seem like because she won by 11 seconds, she did mention that, and I didn't see this, she said around the two and a half mile mark. I saw her at the two mile mark. She probably had a two or three second lead over Emily Schuler from Dallas Town. But she said by the time the two and a half mile mark came, she could actually feel Emily like breathing down her <laughs> neck. And she told me, which was surprising to a runner who is so dominant and so confident, she was like, she actually mentally was thinking to herself, I don't know if I can actually hold her off. I don't know if I'm, am I going to do this? Am I going to be able to get it done? And I didn't expect her to actually tell me that. I was shocked. I figured she was like, no, nah, I had it in the bag the whole time. <laughs> Good to go. Especially when you saw that she won by 11 seconds. So for her to actually mention like, yeah, I had some doubts. Um, it just goes to show even the best runners, you know, when it comes to maybe a hot day or a course that they might not be as familiar with, uh, anything could happen. But she held her off. So Maddie's certainly a smart runner and – you have to imagine she got a lot of those smarts and a lot of those skills from her bloodline. And she comes from a very strong bloodline in cross-country running, the niece of Donna McLean, mm-hmm. uh, Donna Vitaco now. Yes, that's her married name now. But she, for those of you who have never heard of Donna McLean, uh, is kind of a legendary name in cross-country circles. I mean, she won three state cross-country championships in high school, and she didn't run her freshman year, so... You know, she probably could have won four, and she won seven state championships in track and field over four years. I mean, she won the the county meet every year, all four times in track, three times in cross country, um, in various events. She did the one mile and the two mile, obviously, in track. Uh, Even won some titles, I think, in the 800 in track. Just an absolute legend. I mean, getting to talk to people for the story I did about the McLean's, on Monday, you know, people talk about Donna like, you know, Michael Jordan or something. You know, she, she's an absolute legend. And, and yeah, Maddie's, Maddie also has a younger sister, one year younger, named Olivia, who's a strong runner for Eastern, too. Um, you know, it's just Eastern York is fortunate that they get a second generation of McLean runners now. And I, I did the story. You can find it on Game Time PA, kind of delving into Donna's career and yeah, how she's similar to her nieces, how they're different. What I was actually interested to find out was they really don't talk to Aunt Donna, as they call her, very <laughs> much about cross-country. You know, they talk about, you know, normal family things, and they she kind of leaves running to the coaches and everything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, they will ask her a question from time to time, and she certainly knows a lot. And the genes, the gene pool is certainly in their favor, for sure, for the McLean sisters. And you saw Maddie get her first – York Adams title yesterday and uh, she's going to have a plaque up on the wall at Eastern York you know in, in the same room that her aunt has about 13 it's pretty cool very cool you can find the story on gametimepa.com titled McLean sisters carry on legendary family legacy uh, another great read by our own Zach Miller certainly take the time to read that one as well when we come back we'll move back to football we'll make our picks for the week we'll talk about a couple good games we'll have an eye on and much, much more. You're listening to Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Welcome back to Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 
1350-W-O-Y-K. Christian Arnold, Zach Miller, Ryan Proventure here with you for about 10 minutes or so. We have left in the show, and it's that time of the show, that time of the week, as always, where we pick a game this week on the schedule, and we defend it. So, Ryan, you're back for two weeks now on the show. I'll let you go first this week. Great. Um, So I will be at Fairfield at the Lone Catholic this week. Uh, I was just talking to Zach about this during the break. I was originally going to go with the Lone Catholic. I think I'm going to go with Fairfield in this. Switching Um, it up. It's it's tough. Both teams have kind of struggled a lot since divisional play began. I mean, they both, you know, Fairfield started at 4-0, uh, DeLone started at 3-1. and But since then, they just really, they haven't been getting close to the production um, that they originally got. I'm going to go with Fairfield because mm-hmm. the fact that DeLone just can't score anymore. Um, they're running that wing T offense, and I think that they... They need to put it in Brian Shermeyer's hands a little bit more. They need to trust him a little bit more to pass the ball, and they're just not really doing it um, because you know they've had the Hart brothers running teams de- over throughout the season. But um, I th- defenses are starting to figure that out. Okay, if we stop the run, they're done. So I think Fairfield's going to be able to do that. I also think that you know they've still been able to score quite a bit. They had a tough game against York Tech at home last week. Um, they only scored twelve points, but I think, and I kind of mentioned this um, on, you know, um, Game Time PA TV. Charlie Burnett, who started out really well, has kind of not been there for mm-hmm. them. Um, I, I don't see why he can't come back against this Delone team and put up big numbers. All right, Zach, your turn. I'm also going to pick a Division Three game, and this actually does happen to be the one I'm going to be at. This Bermudian Springs at your Catholic game. I'm picking Bermudian Springs to go on the road and pull the upset. Wow! Uh, last year, Bermudian Springs kind of surprised some people by beating your Catholic. I think that's going to happen again. Uh, you know, you look at this game, and Bermudian Springs has been really flying under the radar. You know, this team has quietly racked up the second most total yardage on offense in the entire county, mm-hmm. or sorry, the entire two-county area. Also, and the defense is always tough. Bermudians really built on a strong defense. You know, they know exactly who to hone in on from your Catholic. I think this team is confident. You know, maybe your Catholic gets a little ahead of itself mm-hmm. with a chance to basically lock up the division title. Bermudian Springs is just one of those teams with one of those coaching staffs that you don't count them out. You know, this this program won 39 out of 40 regular season games during a four-year stretch not too long ago. I think they get better as the season goes on because of that great coaching. And I think this is where the Eagles prove themselves by going on the road and squeaking out a victory at your Catholic. Interesting choice there. Our first two picks. I'm going to go with Red Line. It sounds like a very Red Line in Central York. It sounds like a very obvious pick, but... I wavered a little Tough bit. Tough road game. I wavered a little bit because when you look at the, the games that Central York has played, you look at the games that they've played, even the games that they've lost, they haven't necessarily been bad games. They've been a couple mistakes here and there that Josh Oswald has been trying to correct over the course of the season. They've never really been in a game, for the most part, that they've entirely been out of. I mean... Red Line is a tough team, there's no doubt about it, but it's, if Central can play their game, their quick offense, if they can move the ball quickly, if they can, uh, this is kind of contradictory, but if they can find ways to keep the ball on their side, keep the offense 
on the field more than the defense and not allow Redline to have their best players out in the field offensively. Sam Emick is huge night in, night out because he can throw the ball a couple times a game for big yardage and he can run the ball like heck. Um, so he's a double threat when it comes to that. A lot of quarterbacks are in this league, but Sam Emick's certainly um, one of the better ones in that regards. But Central York's defense, they've, they've come up big when they've had to. I mean, obviously they even had that big win against Northeastern a couple weeks ago when Northeastern was still the team we all thought they were going to be this season. And now they go up against a red line team. Playoffs still, still a, a possibility. Um, they're not out of the division title race yet. And I think they all, all the Central York Panthers, they're a young team, but I think they understand where they are this week. They understand where everyone is going to pick red line this week. But at the same time, they're going to make it a game. But at the end of the day, I know I sound like I just made the pick for Central York. At the end of the day, though, you look at Red Lions team, you look at the way they've just been so dominant all season long, it's hard to pick against them. I think it's going to be a closer game than a lot of people are, are going to imagine. I could see it being a seven-point game. I could see it coming down to a three-point game. So I think it's going to be a close one. I think this is going to be the best game in the York Adams this week. Yeah, I mean, there's several good games this week. All, yeah. all three that we mentioned, uh, I think kind of a low-key good game is yeah. William Penn <laughs> at Southwestern. Southwestern has really been banged up by injuries, has kind of struggled the last couple of weeks. William Penn every week, you know, seems to seems to hang around with some pretty good teams. Yeah. Is this the week that the Bearcats finally pick up their first win in two years? So a lot of good games to go around. On Saturday, we got Hanover at York Tech, which is, you know... Surprisingly, f- going to be an interesting game as yeah, well. Yeah, kind of intriguing. Is, good. Yeah, York Tech having the best year since 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hanover, you know, having a decent year. Obviously not what they were last year, but still having a pretty good year. That's an interesting game as well. So plenty of intrigue to go around this week, and we're excited for it. Absolutely. By the way, I did mention that we wanted to talk about uh, York Adams field hockey, the championship game is on Thursday. Semifinals being played Wednesday afternoon, or Wednesday night, as it should say. So the time of this recording will not coincide with the time these games are being played. So we are talking about these games before they're happening, but some very interesting storylines to follow in the York Adams Field Hockey um, Contest. Obviously, Dallas Town back for another shot at glory in the York Adams uh, Tournament. Susquehannock, a very interesting team coming into it. They're... Uh, coming off a great season, a very slow start to the year, but they quickly pick things up. And Brooke Morris, I know we've talked about her a lot on this program. She's been a big offensive threat for them. They have some great defense and great goaltending as well um, there for the Susquehannock Warriors. So they're they're in it. Um, there's a couple other teams in it. Uh, Bermudian Springs and Littlestown. Littlestown is in it. Thank you, Zach. They're also um, Division Three and Four. And speaking of divisions, very interesting this year, the way the divisional – alignment has been set up and which has coincided with a change to the playoff format four teams one from each division now uh, making it in so you don't see teams like a new oxford which had a great season you don't see teams like redline which had a great season um you know having that shot to make the playoffs they really had to finish for they had to finish first in their division to make the playoffs so it's certainly been an interesting transition for some of these teams who are used to making the playoffs as the second seed yeah when gettysburg joined the league in 2014 there was a three-division system. The top two teams mm-hmm. would make it from Division One. Gettysburg, two years in a row, won Division Two and made it. Bermudian Springs, both years, won Division Three and made it. And both those years, actually, Dallas down won Division One. So you had, you know, ever since the Warriors joined the league, you kind of had Dallas down, Gettysburg, and Bermudian being the mainstays of those divisions. Well, now when everything got rearranged to four divisions, 
Dallastown was still in Division One, you know, and took care of business like the Wildcats always seem to do. Mm-hmm. But now you had Gettysburg and Bermudian in Division Three with each other. Only one team could go to the playoffs. They actually split during the regular season, didn't lose another division game, both teams. So that tie had to be broken by district playoff rating. Uh, kind of an interesting way to do it since both teams were in different classifications. But, you know, it had to be broken somehow. And so Bermudian is in the tournament. And Susquehannock, a team that kind of got stuck behind Gettysburg the last couple of years, is back in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And Littlestown, which had always been stuck behind Bermudian Springs, it had never gone to the YAIAA tournament before. The Thunderbolts are in looking for their first county title. Talk about making things interesting the first year of the new division and new playoff format. So it's certainly been interesting. A lot of, again, a lot of interesting storylines. Story and Zach, I want to I wanna put you on the spot. Ryan, too, I'll put you on the spot here because by the time people probably listen to this, these games will be played. Who's playing in the championship game on Thursday? I think we're going to have a rematch of last year's championship game between Dallastown and Bermudian Springs. Interesting. It's interesting. I could see Susquehannock winning. I could see it being Susquehannock Dallas Town in the championship game. Both teams have had very good seasons, and you look at a lot of the offensive firepower and and the strengths of a lot of these teams. I think you could see Susky and Dallas Town playing for the title. Yeah, I think that Bermudian Susquehannock game is going to be a good one. I'll be out at that game. I think Bermudian just that team has been here before. That team has only one loss, I think, this season, playing with a lot of confidence. So I, I do think we're going to get a rematch of last year's championship game between those two teams. All yeah. right, what are you I, I, I like, Let's hear I it. like Berm. Right. Um, honestly, I haven't really done a lot of field hockey stuff, but I like Berm. And the reason why is because when it came down to the end of the season, mm-hmm. when they needed to get things done, they did it. You know, Gettysburg won that game, and then the Eagles went out there and were like, okay, we have to win this right. or we're not going to the playoffs. They knew it, and they went out and won. And I just think the fact that they have that men- they have that kind of mentality like, okay, it's just another game. We're going to play it just like it's mm-hmm. another game, even though the implications are huge. Right. Um, so I, I see no reason why, you know, like Zach said, they're familiar with the playoffs. They've been there before. Yep. Was it nine straight division wins? Ten now. Ten now. They've yeah. been in the playoffs. They've been there before. The coaching staff knows it. Um, I'm sure they'll be comfortable. And Dallas Town? I'll say Dallas Town. Yeah. Um, I think that's just a school that kind of seems to get things Oh, done. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And we'll find out if we're all right uh, by Thursday or by the uh, end of Wednesday. And by the time you listen, probably Thursday. So we'll find out who's right, who is wrong uh, about field hockey and about the rest of what we've been talking about today. Just a reminder, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Just search Game Day with Game Time PA Radio. And remember to rate and review the show. You can find us on the Stitcher Radio app and on Google Play. Also, make sure you're following us on Twitter. You can follow Zach Miller at ByZachMiller, and you can follow Ryan Proventure at Rye underscore Pro. You can follow me on Twitter at C underscore Arnold zero one. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, we'll be back next week. More league playoffs, district playoffs starting to roll around, so make sure you're tuning in and more York Adams football to break down. This has been Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK.